you know, we sense His presence here, but when you're all alone in your prayer closet, it's going to be a different experience. And many of you are probably going to struggle to go beyond the five-minute prayer barrier. And so for that reason, I want to share a message. If I go to a church and I'm only given one opportunity to share, I usually share this message. It's titled, A Deeper, More Intimate, More Powerful Experience with God. And the reason I share this message is, is because if you apply what is shared in this message, in just sh- three short weeks, you will see God do amazing things in your life. You will see God transform your Christian experience. And so... For that reason, I will share this message this morning. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you so much, Lord, for another day of life, another day where we can experience your mercy and your grace. I just pray, Lord, that once again you would draw near to us, that you would speak to us, show us how it is that we could have a deeper, more intimate, more powerful experience with you. pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So it was a couple of years ago now that I received this email from a friend. Her name is Esther. It goes like this. Hi, Martin and Liana. Liana is my wife. I've been thinking about you two for the past few weeks now. I've been praying. I've been meaning to write you, but I've been so busy. I know you go around and preach about praying, and it's so wonderful. But I wanted to ask if you also preach on fasting and praying. A few weeks ago, I walked into my church and on the bookshelf, I read a book out of curiosity, and afterwards, I was so very inspired. The book is titled, Fasting by Franklin Gentison. Gentison Franklin is a Sunday pastor of a, mega, of a church out in Georgia. This book is not only inspiring, but just amazing. Pastor Franklin and his brothers, since they were 18 years old, would fast constantly before they would preach, and God opened doors all over the world. He fasts each year beginning from January 1st through the 21st for 21 days. He said when you dedicate the new year to God, then God blesses throughout the whole entire year. God was blessing him so much that he started asking his church to fast with him for 21 days. Each year, this is what his church does, and God blesses the church and the members left and right. There were many testimonies from the book, how God had blessed them with physical healing, emotional and mental healing, spiritual healing, and even stories about how God has helped people get out of serious debt. There's a story about a single mom with a child who has leukemia. She fasts for 21 days and wrestles with God, and after 21 days, the leukemia is gone. Amazing story after story. Anyways, after I read the book, I was so inspired that I started fasting for 21 days. Today is my 18th day of my Daniel's fast, where you just eat fruits and vegetables. You should really get the book. It's such an eye-opener. My parents were amazed how God was answering my prayers, and they also started fasting for 21 days. They are a week behind me right now, but God has been pouring His blessings upon our family. We're not just talking about spiritual and physical blessings, but financial ones too, and we've been praying for relatives who left God, who would never have come back to Him. But just two days ago, one relative called out of the blue about this very reason. I shared this with a few of my other friends who are all my age. We're talking about young people in their late 20s. They have started fasting, and God has been answering their requests, which they had been praying for years. Finally, they're starting to see answers. 
I want to share this because I really think in the last days the only way for God's Holy Spirit to be poured is if our people fast and pray. The two goes hand in hand in order for the blessings to be poured into our lives. His book makes complete sense. He goes over verse after verse from the Bible why we must fast and pray and give for us to be able to know God's will for our lives. It's been such a blessing. I just wanted to share this because I thought you may be interested in looking into it. Thank you and so sorry if you already knew about the book. <laughs> so a couple days later on Sunday morning, my wife and I called her up. We got her on speakerphone and we just wanted to ask her more about this experience. If someone's experiencing greater blessings, I want to know about it. Amen. I'm out for all the blessings I can possibly get. And I actually told her on the phone that almost a year earlier, I came across that book. My wife and I were at the South Bend Regional Airport. Um, we were going to go home to Seattle, Washington for the holidays to be with our parents. And our flight was delayed, so I went to the small bookstore in that airport. Actually, my wife was there, and she had picked up this book by Franklin Jenderson, and she's reading this book. I said, how is it? She says, it's great. So I picked it up and started reading it, but then we had to board our, our flight, and so I ended up buying that book. On the two flights and the layover in between, I ended up finishing the little book. I was so inspired. I was blessed. Yeah. And so from time to time, I decided just to take one day a week just to do water fast. Just one day a week. I couldn't do anything intense because at that time, and I, and I still had this problem, for me, I struggled to put on weight. And once I lose weight, it takes forever to gain weight. Okay. I know you all wish you had that struggle. Yeah. We all have different struggles. We all need to pray for each other. Okay. So on occasion, I would do a one day water fast. Okay. But after I got her email, I was like, I need to step this up. And when I told her that I had already read this book, she says, What? You knew about this book and you didn't tell me? She wished she would have known earlier about this book. Because what it did for her, her Christian experience. I mean, her, her Christian experience just, just took off. And so now I make it a point to share this wherever, wherever I go. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Even in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus highlights the importance of fasting. Let's begin in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them, otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, if you do a charitable deed, is that what it says? No, it says when you do a charitable deed. Doing charitable deeds is not an option for the follower of Christ. Amen? Amen? And so it says, When you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So Jesus talks about the importance of doing charitable deeds and doing it for God's glory. And then in verse 5, Jesus says, And if you pray, is that what he says? No, no once again, it's when you pray. You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may appear to men, uh, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. And Jesus goes through the Lord's Prayer. And then, what does Jesus talk about? After talking about charitable deeds and prayer, what does Jesus go on to talk about? Yes, in verse 16, he says, Moreover, when you fast... 
Do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Is fasting important? Yes. Yes, it's very important. Now, when's the last time you've heard a message about fasting? We usually don't talk about it. Because we like our food. Amen? It's not popular to talk about fasting. Pastor Franklin Gentizen in Georgia. Do you know how many members he has in his church? He's got over 10,000 members. And he invites all of them to join him for a 21-day fast at the start of each year. And I believe, I can't help but think that one reason God has blessed His church is because of all the prayer and the fasting. Prayer is powerful. If there's one thing that is more powerful than prayer, it's prayer and fasting. And if there's one thing the devil hates more than prayer, it's prayer and fasting. Jesus, who expected His followers to fast, set the example before beginning His three and a half years of ministry. We are told in Matthew chapter 4, verse 2, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. And in Mark chapter 1, verse 13, it says, And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and was with the wild beasts. Can you picture Jesus out there in the wilderness with the wild beasts? Next time you take time, for fasting, and you're tempted to give up. Think about Jesus. He was not in a home with AC or heating. He was out there in the wilderness. Desire of Ages, page 114, it says, By fasting and prayer, he was to brace himself for the bloodstained path he must travel. And I believe that we, through prayer and fasting, must prepare for the work that God would have us to do in these last days. I believe it is through prayer and fasting that we must prepare for the things which will soon come upon this world. The followers of Christ were all big into fasting. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 to 28, about the experiences of Paul. And he writes in verse 27, In weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Early church historians tell us that Christians in the early church, they fasted regularly, twice a week. John Wesley, founder of the Methodist Church, preached many sermons on prayer. He also talked a lot about fasting. And he says, The man who never fasts is no more in the way to heaven than the man who never prays. Is this important? He had his, his followers fasting twice a week. Um, they would fast from morning till 4 p.m. Okay? So it was not for the whole day, but um, it was for most of the day. Twice a week. Okay? And you can see how God blessed, blessed his church. John Wesley, John Knox, John Calvin, Martin Luther, just to name a few. These great leaders of the Reformation, in their spiritual warfare to restore purity to the church, were all big into fasting. 
Martin Luther not only maintained the spiritual discipline of fasting one day a week, but additionally fasted so often along with his three hours daily prayer that he was often criticized for fasting too much. But he blessed the whole evangelical church and impacted the world for God by his prayers, fasting, and holy boldness. So when Esther began her journey, she invited a number of her close friends to join, join her. I want to share with you this testimony by Cindy. Cindy was what I would call a Sadventist. Do you know what I mean by a Sadventist? She eats lemons on every meal. Okay. She goes to church faithfully every Sabbath. Okay. But, but um, if her husband watches 3ABN during the weekdays, she harasses him. Saying, why are you watching 3ABN? It's not even the Sabbath. Okay. Does that make sense? Does it help you understand what I'm saying by Sadventist? This is her testimony. We started this 21-day fasting because we were inspired by our friend Esther's testimony and it's been an eye-opening experience. We were surprised to see how so many prophets in the Bible fasted and prayed and we realized that fasting should be a part of our Christian experience. So this is our 10th day and God's been with us through this experience. When we first started fasting, we thought it might be too difficult, but when we saw God answer our prayers and how close we got to God, we said we don't want to give up on this experience. When Esther encouraged me to start on fasting, I, really, I was really inspired and excited about it and then suddenly thought of some people that I actually hated. You guys, you guys all look like saints. You look like you're ready for translation. But, but are there people that, that you hate? Okay. Listen to this. And I thought, do I have to fast for those people too? This is so bad, but I didn't know what a sinner I was till this experience. When Esther encouraged me to start on fasting, let's go to the next paragraph, I had always tried to forgive those people who hurt me so terribly, but I was never successful. On the third night of the fast, I realized how bad my sin was of not being able to forgive them, that I cried during my time of prayer. The next morning, I realized God had put forgiveness in my heart for these people. Amen. Isn't this amazing? Amen. On day two, as we were worried about my husband's dental practice, which was quite slow, the Lord worked a miracle and provided. On day three, the Lord worked another miracle to help us out financially. On day five, we received the first offer on our house in Ohio, which we had been wanting to sell for a whole year. And right now, we're in the process of doing the paperwork to sell the house. They've got it on the market for a whole year. No one's interested. And, and they begin this fast. And, and someone comes by to buy the house. This fasting is amazing. It totally makes you get closer to God and overcome the distractions in your life. I always thought that 3ABN was so boring. But ever since fasting, when I'm at home, I love watching 3ABN. I don't even wonder anymore about what's going on in this world, in Hollywood or on TV. Fasting has also changed our taste buds. For the first couple of days, I made vegetable soup and it was so yucky that I thought this fasting experience was going to be horrible. Now we are so used to it that when I eat salad without dressing or veggie soup, I feel a little guilty because it tastes so good. Because she's thinking everything is supposed to taste bad. But now even the raw veggies are starting to taste so good. I hope everything's going well for you and your family. God bless, Cindy. So fasting can turn a sad dentist into a glad dentist. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 17. We'll go to verse 14. 
Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. So Jesus is coming down the Mount of Transfiguration with three of his disciples. And that's where we pick up the story. Verse 14 says, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Now I'm glad the story doesn't end here. But isn't that sad? I brought my child. Imagine the heart of this father. He wants nothing more than to see his son being healed. And he's probably heard things about Jesus and his followers. He brings them, he brings his child to the disciples, but they could not cure him. Do people sometimes come to us? Maybe people out in the world, they lose all hope. And they come to us because we are followers of Christ. They come to the church hoping for something, hoping for answers to prayers, hoping for a miracle. And how often do we have to send people away because we can't do anything for them? Mercy. You know, in the Desire of Ages, it says that in the name of Christ, the disciples commanded the torturing spirit to leave his victim, but the demon only mocked them by a fresh display of his power. And the disciples, unable to account for their defeat, felt that they were bringing dishonor upon themselves and their master. And do we sometimes bring dishonor upon God? As we fail to practice what we preach, or as we fail to live up to the truths that we believe. So let's go on. Verse 17, it says, Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. The disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible. For you. So Jesus says, because of their unbelief. But I've had to ask the question, why were the disciples struggling with unbelief on this occasion? Because Jesus had given, them, given his disciples power to cast out un, unclean spirits. You know, in the Desire of Ages, we are told that when Jesus had shared with his disciples about his death, it had brought sadness and doubt. And then when he chose only three of the disciples to go with him up to the Mount of Transfiguration, it had excited the jealousy of the nine. And they had been dwelling on their discouragements and personal grievances at that time, and it was in the state of darkness that they had undertaken the conflict with Satan. And this was why they were unsuccessful in casting out the demons okay? or in healing this child. Now the story doesn't end in verse 20, but in 21, Jesus says, However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Friends, we must pray, but there are times when we must do more than pray. We must pray and fast. Amen? Amen. If you are struggling with a sin, if you are struggling with an addiction, okay, if you're struggling with a bad habit, and you've been praying and praying for victory over this sin or this habit, because you know that it doesn't bring glory to God that you continue to struggle. Okay? But you've been praying, but you've been experiencing no victory. I believe it's time to pray and fast. Okay? If God has given you a work to do, if God has given you a ministry, 
okay? And, 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 and you're trying to move forward, but there are obstacle after obstacle. Maybe there are financial troubles, okay? And you're not making any progress. I believe it is time to fast and pray. Perhaps you've been praying and praying for a loved one, and this individual just keeps going further and further away from the Lord. Okay? I believe it's time to pray and fast for your loved ones who need Jesus. Ian Bounds has said, prayer and fasting always accomplish something. Now, please don't misunderstand. It's not always going to accomplish what you want, but it will always accomplish something in line with God's will. Amen. Prayer and fasting always accomplish something. I visited this church several years ago, this Asian American church in Chicago, and I shared pretty much the same message. And a few months later, she sent me an email. She writes, Our church has been praying for years on Tuesday nights and Sabbath mornings before Sabbath school for the Holy Spirit. So this is a praying church. But it wasn't until your fasting sermon at our church that made individuals privately fast. These days we've been having testimony after testimonies of miracles due to fasting and prayer. Something is happening at our church. The Holy Spirit is moving. I have a few people fasting the first three days of each month. We have had the most unlikeliest of person, previously an atheist, receive the Holy Spirit and join our church and now is doing mighty things in our church within a month. I prayed for this lost person during my fast. What amazes me is that God will still use a sinner like me to bring other sinners to Christ. And now that person is keeping me on my toes. Fasting has become the buzzword in our church. And the powerful testimonies of those who fasted is spreading the desire to those who would never try otherwise. I read the fasting book two years ago and was greatly blessed, but was too shy to tell my church about it. So you don't know how excited I was when you came and mentioned it. Andrew Bonar was a minister of the Free Church of Scotland in the 19th century, and he says, Fasting is abstaining from anything that hinders prayer. So please don't think that fasting is simply abstaining from food. Okay. The things in your life that hinder prayer. Andrew Bonar was an avid reader and he had at times to fast from his excessive love for reading to find time to commune with God. When we take time for fasting, we need to spend time, more time in, in, in prayer and in God's Word. If we're simply abstaining from food, all it ends up is, is you're starving or just dieting. You need to spend more time in prayer and in God's Word. Philip Brooks was an American clergyman and author in the 19th century. He says fasting is abstaining from anything innocent in itself in order to grow more spiritually or serve God more effectively. Are there a lot of innocent activities? that just eat up all of our time. Okay. So how many of you love Facebook? Fess up. <laughs> okay, hey, Facebook is a great uh, uh, tool for networking. Okay. It's a great way to stay in touch, but how often you know, can you end up spending several hours a day yep. on Facebook? It's true. I, I know of people that have just closed their Facebook account simply because it wasn't helping them in their walk with the Lord. Fasting is abstaining from anything innocent in itself in order to grow more spiritually or serve God more effectively. Wesley Duell is an author of a book called Mighty Prevailing Prayer. It's an encyclopedia on prayer. 
very good book. If I could probably keep one book in my library on prayer, it'd probably be this book by Wesley Dole, Mighty Prevailing Prayer. He says in his book, fasting is a God-ordained form of self-denial. The purpose of fasting is to subject the physical to the spiritual and to give priority to spiritual goals, to disentangle oneself for a time from one's environment, material things, daily responsibilities, and cares, and three, to devote one's whole spiritual attention to God and prayer. When you fast, your mind becomes uncluttered by the things of the world, and you become amazingly sensitive to the things of God. By the way, there is nothing that will strengthen and deepen your prayer life like fasting. Okay? And that's why we need to fast regularly, because it richly blesses our prayer experience. I want to talk about the different types of fasts mentioned in the Bible. There is the absolute fast, that's where you drink no water or no food. Okay? Paul, after his Damascus Road experience, did an absolute fast for three days. Esther called all the Jews to do an absolute fast for three days when she felt that she and her people were doomed. There's the normal fast, this is where you just drink only water. There is the liquid fast. This is where you only just drink juice. If you want to do the liquid juice, liquid fast, you want to get juice in its purest form. You don't want stuff with all the added sugars, the preservatives, and the additives. If you can uh, juice yourself, that would be great. And then there is the partial fast. The Daniel fast is a biblically based partial fast. And the two anchoring scriptures for the Daniel fast are Daniel chapter 10, verse 2 to 3, and Daniel chapter 1, verse 12. In Daniel chapter 10, Daniel is grieved over the plight of his people, and he goes on this partial fast for three weeks. It says, In those days I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Daniel ate no pleasant food. Most likely this meant he ate no sweets or bread. And the Bible says that along with that he ate no meat and he was focused in prayer. And then there's Daniel 1.12, the other anchoring text. It says, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. So from these two texts, you end up with a very simple diet that consists of fruits, vegetables, and water. Alright, so some of you will want to go home and you'll probably want to get on the internet to look up more information about the Daniel Fast. I want to warn you about this one website that you might stumble across. It's danielfast.wordpress.com And if you, if you come across this uh, website, you'll find this very, very detailed list of what you can include in your Daniel's Fast. And this very, very detailed list of what you should not include in your Daniel's Fast. And, and what I want to tell you to do is stay away from this, from this website. Only because it's such a detailed list 
it really makes your fasting experience more stressful as you're trying to figure out what you can include and what you cannot include. And it makes your shopping experience more stressful. Okay? And, and it defeats the purpose of fasting. Does that make sense? Yes. You want to make things as simple as possible. When it comes to food preparation, you want, you want to cut down the amount of time you spend on food preparation. Okay? The simpler the diet, the more powerful your experience is going to be. Okay? If you can start with a water fast in the beginning, start with a water fast. I believe Esther, who had such a powerful experience, she started with, I believe it was a 10-day juice fast, and then she went to fruits and vegetables. And her experience was way more powerful than the experience I had, or the experience other people had. The simpler you can make it. Hey, if you can just do a 10-day water fast, I would say go for it. If you could do, do a 21-day just juice fast, Go for it. Powerful experience. So when Esther was starting her experience, another individual she had invited to join her was a friend by the name of Twyla Seaton. And this is her testimony. I can tell you that this time of prayer and fasting has taken my relationship with God to an entirely new level. When all the distractions of work, email, internet, Facebook activities, etc. are all taken away and it's just me and the Lord, that is when He can really speak and I can hear. I actually loathe to see this time come to a close. Okay? She and Esther actually did the 21-day fast. A few days later, they started it all over again. But they realized it wasn't a good idea to start it all over again because their body needed time to recoup. Physically, during the fast, it was so difficult. There were so many times that I was planning Thanksgiving dinner in my head. Ha ha. Or looking at cookbooks, even though I couldn't eat any of the things that I was looking at. But God gave me the amazing power to get through it. Amen. And God can help each one of you to get through it too. Amen? Amen. I lost 10 pounds during the three weeks, and I fit into clothes that I could only imagine fitting into before. At a minimum, most people, they do the Daniel fast, they'll drop 10 pounds. Just an extra incentive. To do the fast. Mercy. Friends, we have everything to gain and nothing to lose but pounds. I have also noticed that even though I broke the fast, I still prefer the fruits and the veggies. And the self-control that I lacked before concerning appetite now is richly abundant. I can easily walk away from foods that before I could not resist. Praise God. Amen. You know, there are a lot of people that struggle with their appetite. Okay? And in the spirit of prophecy, we are told that if we cannot gain the victory over appetite, we're going to struggle in other areas of our lives. Okay? What is the answer if you're struggling with appetite? I believe the answer is fasting. Ellen White writes, The controlling power of appetite will prove the ruin of thousands who, if they had conquered on this point, would have had the moral power to gain the victory over every other temptation. But those who are slaves to appetite will fail of perfecting Christian character. The continual transgression of man for over 6,000 years has brought sickness, pain, and death as its fruit. And as we draw near the close of time, Satan's temptations to indulge appetite will be more powerful and more difficult to resist. She goes on to say, Even resisting certain temptations that were not food-related before was so difficult, but now God has given me victory over them. Praise God again. Research has shown that after three weeks, habits are formed. God has proven that to me during this time. Wow. So, the Daniel fast is something that most anyone can do. Unless you have health issues or a certain medical condition. 
lots of fasts that most people can do. Having someone else to do the fast with was so encouraging. And then I share this because I've had many people come up to me saying that they tried doing this on their own and they failed. Okay? You really need an accountability partner. Yeah. It's a blessing to have someone to do it together with. As Esther and I would share how God had been impressing us and leading us, we discovered that He was leading and impressing us in exactly the same ways. God was giving us confirmations throughout our entire fast that we were doing exactly what He wanted us to be doing. I want to end once again with Esther Kim's testimony. After that initial phone conversation, I asked her to send me an email mentioning the different blessings that she had experienced. And she sent me an email with 17 points. I'm not going to share all of them, but I'm going to share a number of them that just really uh, stood out. Through fasting, God has been leading me and day by day showing me so many things. Number one, who I need to forgive, the people I had not even known I was supposed to forgive. Number two, who I need to ask forgiveness from. I had not known I'd hurt them, but God brought it to my view that I hurt them tremendously. Number three, what my sins and flaws are. Do we need this kind of experience? Yes. Yes, if you read Great Controversy, the, the chapter titled The Time of Trouble talks about how we need the kind of experience that Jacob had. Point number four, the sins I had considered not a big deal, God has been showing me just how big they really are. Point number five, how God is so compassionate with me, He never condemns me even though I keep falling and falling. And many of us, we need to become acquainted with this compassionate God. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, okay, the God I served was always out to get me every time I messed up. Point number nine, God has shown me how to see the good in everyone and not the bad. Before, it used to be the other way. I'd focus on people's weaknesses and mistakes and never really saw the good in them. Don't we all struggle with that? Yeah. We have this critical attitude. Point number two, my prayers have gotten so long, so heartfelt, and my intercessory prayers have become so genuine. My prayers are so long now that if I don't set my alarm, I might be late for work. So now I pray with an alarm. Amen. Amen. So many Christians struggle to pray for more than five minutes a day. Okay? You, can make, you can break the five-minute barrier through fasting. I love this last point. I so desperately, so longingly just want Jesus. I just want to be Christ-like. I might have started my fast with some earthly prayer requests, along with wanting to know Jesus and the truth. But as I continued in my fast day by day, my earthly requests don't seem to matter anymore. And it just kind of fades in the background. I see such loveliness and beauty in the character of Jesus, and I just want to be like Him. If God blesses me with answers to prayers and takes care of my needs, He is just extra good and merciful to me, and I am grateful. But what matters most to me is just Jesus and me. Yes. Of course, she had some earthly requests. And of course, sure, why not? Get to know Jesus better through it all. Okay. And you know what? Even if we come to, to Jesus with the raunchiest of motives, I believe He's just so happy that we're coming to Him. Amen? Okay. And usually we pray when we're in trouble, and we pray because we really don't want Him, but we want what's in His hand. We want the gifts. But that's okay. You, with your desire for your gifts, you go to Jesus. You go to Jesus. And Jesus will give you so much more than just the gifts. He will give you Himself. He wants you to understand that the greatest gift He can give you is Himself. Amen. I want 
end with this text, Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 and 15. And the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Okay? Please understand, no one enjoys fasting. Okay? I don't enjoy fasting. But you know why I do it? Because I love to see God move. I love to see big answers to prayers. I want to see God do big things in my life and through my life and for our church. So the disciples of John... They say, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Amen. Jesus is referring, was referring to his followers during the period between his ascension and his return. During that period, Jesus expects all of his followers to fast. If there was a generation on earth that needed to get serious about prayer and fasting, I believe it's this generation, living at the close of earth's history. If there was a generation that needed a deeper, more intimate, more powerful relationship with Christ, I believe it is this generation that has the privilege of seeing Christ coming back in the clouds. Is it your desire to have a deeper, more intimate, more powerful experience with Christ. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.